0: That's consulting.
1: And it's Thursday at 4 p.m. Central. That means this is Pillars of Franchising, where we teach you how to be self-employed and maybe not work all day. This is Fred McMurray with my co-host, Gray Pillar. How you doing, Ray?
2: I'm doing great. It's a beautiful, sunny day where we have weather here in Aurora, Illinois. And uh, uh, don't, uh, but that's okay. Right. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: and what I think today with us we have... Nick Neonakis of the Franchise Consulting Company. So, Nick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do?
3: Sure. Hey, guys, thanks for uh, having me on.
2: Really appreciate, uh, appreciate the opportunity. Uh,
3: the Franchise Consulting Company is uh, a company, we've got about 100 people in the organization, and what we do is we help people buy franchises. We help them with their competitive analyses, with business planning, uh, investigation processes, kind of like a realtor does. If you're looking to buy a house, we help people go and find opportunities that fit their criteria. And best of all, our services are free of charge. To the buyer, the fees are paid by the seller, just like in real estate.
2: I also noticed that you are an author So, Nick, can you tell us a little bit about your book?
3: Sure, yeah. Um, So I've written a couple of books. The one that probably is the most famous is called The Franchise MBA. And it's uh, the number one bestseller in the U.S., uh, the highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Uh, If you type in franchise, it's the first thing that pops up. In Amazon. Oh, cool. And I wrote the, yeah, I wrote the book. You know, I spent a long time uh, on the franchisor side uh, with a company called First Service, which owns a ton of different franchise brands like uh, California Closets and Floor Coverings International, Certifro Painters, uh, Handyman Connection, Pillar to Post Home Inspection, Colliers, Commercial Realty, just a whole bunch of different property services brands. And, you know, I saw people who did really well in franchising and people who, well, maybe they didn't do so well. And I thought, what are some of the similarities between the people that do well owning a business and how can I help people who are interested in business ownership maybe avoid some of the mistakes that people made, you know, that I saw? And so that's really what the book was about. Uh, and it's been really, really a lot of fun. I get to meet a ton of people who bought the book and you know, call up and say, hey, you know, I read the book, and it really helped me find this business, and this is what's going on now in my life, and it's, it's just a really cool thing, you know, sort of um, standing on the shoulders of, of some real giants who I met over the years that I was uh, on the franchisor side, uh, being able to help people who are looking to, you know, grab that piece of the American dream. So
1: rumor has it that you used to give away free copies of the book. Do you still
3: Anybody who's a uh, listener of this show today, I most certainly will. How about that? Give a uh, I will send right? him a free yeah, I'll give I'll send them a free autographed copy of the franchise MBA. Save them uh, 1695. So hopefully not a lot of people will take me up on that. You know, go buy them on Amazon <laughs> instead, but
2: <laughs> Well, well, gee, I think Fred, you said we had six thousand listeners last time. Yeah, we'll work
1: on it. Um, I, I, I just blasted the show out earlier today about three quarters of a million. So we'll see how many of those people we can get to order. Um,
3: oh, well, of that won't be too many. Yeah. So Taylor, out, crank how up, how up get the get presses, guys. We got we got a lot of books coming here. <laughs>
1: So, so, how do they sign so, uh, up? Let's tell our listeners that. How do they sign up for the book?
3: Uh, sure. Go to. Uh, well, I'll give you my email if you'd like. Uh, feel free to reach out to me. It's Nick at the franchise consulting dot com. All spelled out. Nick at the franchise consulting dot com. Send me an email. All together. Uh, you know, heard you all together. Yep, they heard you on the radio station. Mm-hmm. And would love a free copy of the book. Uh, give me your address and we'll make it happen. We'll get one out to you uh, the minute we get it. How about that?
1: Sounds like an awesome deal.
2: Great. Yeah. Go for it. Say, Nick, what, how would you uh, uh, characterize the typical uh, person looking for a franchise, and then how would you characterize? The typical successful owner of a franchise. Well, you know, th- there isn't really a prototypical
3: franchise buyer. There, you mm-hmm. know, there are over three thousand different franchise concepts out there, and you know, across every industry category that you can think of, you're going to find franchised businesses, and so. Who is the, the buyer? You know, I think it really depends. I can give you a couple of ideas of different types of people and why they buy a franchise. But, you know, a lot of times people ask me, hey, what's the hot franchise right now? What's really, you know, what should I go look at? And I say, geez, I don't know. There's so many that are doing well. It really depends on you. And so, you know, maybe to think about it a, a little bit of a different way. Uh, My book, The Franchise MBA, um, posits that there are four steps to buying a franchise, really any business. And if you think of them like walking on rocks across a stream, okay, think of these rocks as really mossy, wobbly rocks that you've never walked on before. And go slow, okay, test before you commit, and the first rock, the most important rock, is, is you. It's who are you? What are you good at? What are you trying to achieve with this business? So I think, you know, who is the prototypical franchise buyer? I think it really can be just about anybody, but you have to do an analysis of yourself first, okay? So think about writing down what are you good at, What are you trying to do? What kind of money do you need to make? When does that need to happen Uh, geographically? Where are you? You know, Ray, you're up in Aurora, Illinois. Uh, I live down in Miami, Florida. These are two very different geographies. I guarantee you we Mm -hmm. don't need snow plowing services. <laughs> you know the, uh, the the couple of weeks each year, right? That so you guys have it up there. So you want to take a look around and see, you know, what's out there, what does the market need. But really, take a look inside and think about who you are, and write that down. I, yeah. Then,
2: yeah, I think that's extremely yeah. important. Nick, you know, uh, a lot of my friends said, "Well, you you're very committed," and I said, "You mean to an institution?" And, Because they were, they were, Uh, and and, but all jokes aside on that. Really, I think a person needs to whatever franchise they select. They need to look at themselves. Are they committed enough to be a success? And I think that's one of the uh, very more more important things. Boy, isn't that true? You know, if uh, if you
3: don't like your job, you can quit. But if you don't like the business that you bought and you put really everything into, uh, you're probably going to go bankrupt or it's going to hurt Mm -hmm. a lot. Right. So, um, you know, to get back to your, your initial question about types of buyers, i tell you, we see all kinds of buyers. You know, we do, we talk with hundreds of people a week through our consultants that are all across the United States. And we work with millennials, you know, people who are just out of college, maybe they're not finding the right job. Um, and, you know, living down in the basement with mom and dad, and, you know, they want to go do something different. And there's going to be a certain type of business that would be perhaps suitable for them. Um, We have other people who are, you know, mid-career, and uh, maybe it's a husband and wife team, and, you know, the, the wife has a great job, and the husband wants to go and do something, or vice versa. They might have a different set of options that they look at It might be, uh, you know, uh, uh, an executive who's in their 50s. Maybe they got laid off and they're not finding Mm -hmm. jobs that are suitable, you know, and and they're thinking, how come I'm not getting called back? Well, the reality is you're probably overqualified and are going to be too expensive Mm -hmm. for a company. So there's going to be a whole series Mm -hmm. of opportunities there. Um, So it really runs the gamut, you know, from people who are looking to diversify, Um, A lot of times we have clients who, uh, you know, maybe uh, both parties have a job, and they're really happy with it, but they're saying, you know, the stock market's pretty high, and I probably should take some chips off the table. Is there a non-correlated asset that I can invest into where I'm taking advantage of the local economy and maybe give myself some uh, inflation hedge, right? you think about what's been going on over the last couple of years with the government and quantitative easing, uh, well, now rate hikes are starting to happen. You know, treasuries are, uh, you know, at or above 3%. Things are going to start getting more expensive. And if you have a, a job and you're getting a paycheck, well, you don't really have the ability to deal with inflation the way if, You know, Ray, look at your business at Molly made, you know, if if costs and inputs go up in price, well, maybe, uh, you know, everything goes up across the board by 5%. Maybe you increase the cost of what uh, your services are by five or 6% uh, as well. Right. So now you have an inflation hedge where sometimes people who work don't have that. So we see a lot of buyers who are very sophisticated buyers who are thinking? Well, I want to do something. You know, I live in Naperville, Illinois, or I live in you know Stamford, Connecticut, or in Tampa, Florida, and I, I want to do something that the local economy has a need for. And maybe I'll you know start off by putting some people in place, and I'll oversee them, and I'll work in the business part time, and and start a non-correlated investment to what my other investments are. So it's a pretty broad range of people, really, that I see. Buying franchises, and I think we're in a renaissance right now of business ownership in the United States. It's it's really a fabulous thing
2: that's going on. Mm, definitely, but I think inflation hedge is one uh, one of the things that d- people don't really think too much about. But you are absolutely correct in that because uh, basically what's happened in this country in the last uh, eight years is you know basically the price of everything has gone up except for salaries. So uh, a lot of people are finding themselves doing more poorly in the in, in the past than they have uh, you know bef- before all you know all that happened, but uh, right now, things seem to be looking up.
1: Mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I would jump in here and go back to uh, something you kind of alluded to. You talked about um, you need to look at your financial resources so uh, in, in raise. Ray's talked about this, and I know he'll jump in on, on this, but what, if somebody wants to go buy a franchise, how much money do they need to buy a franchise? And, and I realize that there's, part of that's a function of the cost of the franchise, but it's, it's not just the initial franchise cost alone that you need to have, correct?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, if you're going to buy a franchise, you want to do a couple of things to figure out what is the true cost all in? And the nice thing about franchising is that it's regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. And if you're going to look at a franchise as opposed to, let's say, uh, you know, buying some vending machines or some, you know, multi-level marketing, you know, business, uh, you're going to get a document called the Franchise Disclosure Document, which has 23 different items that list out, a lot of information about the franchise and item seven is the range of costs that are incurred to open a business so let's let's take uh raise molly made business for instance if you're going to open up a molly made and i'm just going to say that probably to start up one you're probably in the 120 to 250 thousand dollar range depending on how Um, capitalized, you're going into, you're going to have a franchise fee, you're going to have some vehicles, you're going to have costs for training, you're going to have marketing costs, right? So you want to take a look at that item seven. It's going to list out all the costs that you have, and it's going to give you a range nationally of what people incurred when they were getting that business up and running. Let's use another example. Let's take a subway. Okay, everybody can kind of visualize a subway. You're going to open a subway. You've got to rent space. You've got to build it out. Tables, chairs, signs, aprons for the kids, right? Initial stock of meat, refrigerators. All these things you're going to have to capitalize the business with. Plus, you also need to allocate resources for your costs. Okay, so if you don't have a job, you need to think about how you're going to pay the bills. So you have to put those expenses into your pro forma or else you're not looking at the whole picture. And so what I always tell people is think very carefully about those costs and then talk with franchisees. Talk with people who are a year in the business, three years in the business, five years in the business. Talk with people who are in markets that are similar to yours. Talk with people who are doing well and talk with people maybe they're not doing so well and ask them, what did it cost to get the business up and running? What were some of the surprises maybe that you saw along the way that you experienced? And keep notes. You know, that's the great thing about franchising is we've got all these case studies that we can go and check out. So I think if you're thinking about buying a business, one of my biggest pieces of advice is do your homework. Ask questions. Don't, don't just jump into it. But the nice thing is we have a lot of resources that, that we can call upon to, to go figure that out. I know I
2: certainly did my due diligence. I, I talked to uh, five owners and you know, and, and five prior owners uh, to get a to get a feel for the franchise, but one of the things, and uh, I'd like to ask this question to you. I and mean, maybe things have changed now, but uh, 15 years ago, it seems like everyone I talked to, they wanted to lowball what what you needed for capitalization. And myself, uh, what I tell people now, when they ask me, you know, uh, about a franchise, starting a franchise, I said, well, whatever the franchiser tells you. You want to double or even triple what they tell you you're going to need because you'll need to get past a hump like the 2008, 2009 years that we had in, in which I know a lot of really good people who went under and, and lost everything that they had uh, because they were just they didn't think about that possibility of uh, happening. But has, has things changed now? Do they, they try to prepare people for that or not?
3: Well, you know, with with so many different businesses out there, you're going to have some that are really dialed in, really ethical franchisors. Look at the group that owns Molly Maid, the Dwyer Group, you know, Mm -hmm. famous uh, famous and terrific group of people who really have their franchisees' best interests in mind. Um, You know, and and just like everything else in the world, you're going to have a bell curve of people who um, are really – looking to help people understand franchising. And sometimes you're going to have some people that, you know, maybe they're more interested in selling a franchise than helping someone understand what's out there. And I think it's incumbent upon the buyer to do their, their diligence. I mean, we built an entire company based upon helping people do uh, their due diligence and helping them cross their T's and dot their I's. Because a lot of times, if you've never done it before, if you've never bought a business before, you know there are probably a couple of things that you need to learn. You know, think of it like driving a car. You know, go slow, <laughs> test it out in the parking yeah, park lot before we get yeah. on the highway. But uh, you know, in broad strokes, I think uh, you know, money in a business is like air to the human body. Right? You really can't ever <laughs> have enough. Um, but I think if, if you do your homework and you talk with enough people um, and then have a rainy day fund, you know, make sure you are capitalized to to do this. Um, If you see people who are hitting the kinds of outcomes that you want to hit, who own this franchise, whatever it might be, and you're able to do the activities that you're seeing them do, then you probably have a pretty good shot at achieving success. As long as the business provides a real human service, okay? And we can talk about that if you want. So I've got some definite ideas about ways to think about does this business provide an enduring human benefit that people will pay for? Or is it a, hmm. a fad or a trend or something that's going to happen and then here today gone tomorrow? Stay away from that. Yeah, I
2: think you you, know, you need to elaborate that because uh, I, I'm I'm trying to visualize what you're talking about and okay. I think I understand, but maybe if you could elaborate, what, what do you mean by a real human service? Real human need, right?
3: That that a service will address.
2: Let's I mean, I'll go like back food to about food
3: for a second. Yeah, yeah. Food, clothing, right? Shelter, oil changes, haircuts, elder care. I came home from work Mm -hmm. and my basement's flooded. What do I do now? Kid had a car accident. You know, all kinds of things are going to happen that there's a need for services. And so I always Mm -hmm. tell people, think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay, you guys remember that from
2: Oh, God, yeah, I do. A long
3: time ago in high school, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm trying, I'm trying to remember God, this. My, no wife, might idea. My,
3: my wife might kill me for what I'm about to say, but, you know, luckily uh, <laughs> I'm in Houston. We're setting up for a huge trade show here, uh, the Great American Franchise Expo. So, you know, Maslow mm. said there are certain things that we need as human beings, right? Food, clothing, shelter. There are other things we don't really need them, you know, like, Purses and jewelry and you know five pairs of shoes. um, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: That's where that's where you might get a little mad. But if you think (laughs) about it that way, and then think about what's going on with technology, right? Do you want Mm -hmm. do you want to be a retailer of toys with a lot of overhead and inventory costs and and you know G and A costs and people costs? in this economy, in this time right now? Probably not. Look at what's going on with Toys R Us. And who ate their Mm -hmm. lunch? Amazon.
0: Yeah.
3: So I would say Mm -hmm. to every listener out there, think about what your buying habits are that you have shifted from going to the store to now going online. If your business that you're contemplating getting into is something that you've cut out of your daily life, you probably don't want to get into that business. If you think you're going you know, to compete against Amazon, you're not. Don't mess with them or any yeah, of the other yeah. myriad businesses that are out there. But to the corollary would be, when was the last time you got your oil changed? And, and where did you do it? Mm-hmm. You know, I bet it was probably five mm-hmm. miles from your house. Or, yeah. you know, where'd you get your hair cut? Right. Or if you have, if your mm-hmm. house is dirty, and you know maybe both spouses uh, you know work, well, you're probably going to have a cleaning service come in and take care of it, right? These are things that have a real resiliency locally because people have to do them. So look around your market. Remember Peter Lynch from Fidelity Investments?
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Remember what his uh, investment thesis was? It was. Go into your kitchen and take a look at what you're buying and then go and invest in those companies because if you're you know, using Heinz ketchup or eating General Mills cereal or wearing Nike, probably other people in your neighborhood are doing the same stuff and that's probably a good piece of a business to own. You can do the same thing with a franchise or any business.
2: Yeah. One of the things I found interesting is uh, during the economic downturn in 2008-2009, uh, we we lost some business, like many, many companies, but we only lost about 10%. And it, it, it truly amazed me how many people felt not, that we weren't just something that was a, fr- a frivolous thing. It, they felt it as a necessity to get on with their lives. And we have, we have customers that, uh, you know, are going on 12, 13, 14 years with us.
0: And mm-hmm. I, I
2: thought that was pretty amazing myself. I couldn't believe it. People felt that our service was a real necessity to their lives. I, I, would,
3: uh, I would agree. Think, think analytically about your clientele. Probably white-collar, educated, professional, maybe both spouse's work, probably higher than average income. If you think about what the unemployment rate was in the depths, the darkest depths of the recession, you know, the Dow crashing, the, you know, uh, Merrill Lynch being bought by Bank of America, all kinds of crazy things happening. The unemployment rate of white collar college educated professionals was in, you know, the four and a half to five and a half percent range. Unemployment rate, not that much, right? No, where no. the real hit happened, unfortunately, was manufacturing and so forth, where capital is going to go and find the ability to manufacture that widget less expensively. And so, if you think about who your clientele is, you know, that's another way then of of creating. Uh, you know, I know there's this joke happening right now between Warren Buffett and uh, Elon Musk about moats around <laughs> businesses, but. <laughs> they're real, right? They're real. They're not filled with candy. And, you know, the moat, Ray, that you have is that the clientele that you provide for has a greater than average ability to withstand an economic shock. And the product service that you provide them is one that they need in order to continue their ability to earn an income because they're not going to stop coming back from work and being tired and they probably don't want to clean the house when it's dirty. And so it's not (laughs) frivolous, right? And and so that's where I think if you, if you think logically and analytically about who you are, what you're good at, where you are and what you're trying to achieve, then all of a sudden certain choices become very obvious. And that's what I think at the franchise consulting company We're very good at helping people do it because all of us have been on the franchisor side for many, many years. I mean, we've got CEOs of companies, uh, senior vice presidents of development operations, people who've been multi-unit franchise owners. Um, So there's really a huge body of experience that we bring to the table to help people with their franchise analysis. And it's a lot of fun too. Is it so uh,
1: <laughs> as you it is. you know, you founded the franchise <laughs> consulting company, but um, I, I really I want to dig a bit deeper into your background. You're kind of a, an American dream story, aren't you?
3: <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I think so. I, I, my gosh, I mean, the opportunities uh, that I've had have been extraordinary. Um, And, you know, and I'm still young. There's so much more to do. I came to this country. I was five years old, um, born in Greece, grew up in New Jersey, uh, hardworking parents. You know, my dad was a painter and a house painter and worked his butt off. Um, My mom was a French teacher. Um, All four kids uh, went to college. Um, Three of us have master's degrees. And so for us, education was a real big thing. You know, and that was the way to uh, really start. That and, um, man, what a ride. You know, I, I graduated college, went back to Greece. I ran a business on one of the islands, came back to the U.S. after a couple of years, worked on Wall Street, uh, went off to get an MBA, and then I met the uh, the founders and a bunch of people from First Surf. And I was really fortunate that uh, they said, hey, we'd love to have you, you know, join the team and gave me a ton of, I guess in hindsight, I look back and it was probably, hey, we don't want to deal with this. Give it to this crazy guy. He'll he'll tackle anything. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, I thought, wow, they're giving me all these great projects. You know, I get to go and do all kinds of cool stuff. And it really was. I mean, it was tongue in cheek. But I, I got so many responsibilities at, I think, a really early age that I got to interact with so many people and see so many different businesses that, uh, you know, for me, everything that I've really learned has been interacting with business owners and, and, you know, breaking bread with them and, and, you know, learning about how did you deal with that problem or how did you, you know, really achieve that kind of success that you had and, for me, that's always been one of my favorite questions is to ask people, how would you get to where you are? You know, what's your journey been like? How do you do it? And I think mm-hmm. the seeds of everybody's success are are really planted when, when you start opening your mind to these kinds of possibilities of how did somebody else do it? You know, and learn the lessons from the people that have, have been before us. There are a lot okay. of them out there.
1: What you just said brings me to another question, which is a bit off the wall: is how are euros different in Greece than they are here?
3: How are euros?
1: Yeah. You mean the food? Uh, yes. Gy. currency. Yeah. Oh, no. The food. <laughs> Ye- Sorry, yes. I'm hungry.
3: Brad, your your Greek your Greek isn't that good, man. We're gonna help you. <laughs> I thought you meant the currency. <laughs> Well, I haven't had anyone speak okay, Everybody... to me
1: in Greek yet, so I'm I'm up for that.
3: Oh, okay. Get ready, man. That was less than 2.0. Yiros. <laughs> Say yi like y e e. Yiros. Yeah. Okay. How is it better than <laughs> Yeah, better than gyros. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh,
0: it's not it's holiday. not euros. <laughs> that's right, euros, oh,
3: euros. euros. Yeah. Oh. See? You it's not
0: golfer, it's
3: golfer. <laughs> <laughs> the caddyshack guy. <laughs> golfer. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think if, if you live in a great city like Chicago, man, I tell you, you can get a Euro that's about as good as anything you're going to get anywhere in Greece. So there's a lot of great uh, cool. food. It's Chicago. That's good yeah, to hear. down to Halsted yeah. Street. Definitely. Good. Yeah. Greek Isles. Have you ever been there, Ray? Yeah. No. You got to go, man. It's a great restaurant right downtown. How are they different? I like Yeah, well, I think. That's the Yeah. <laughs> here, I'll tell you, in the U.S., the, the gyro is like this big glob of meat, like ground-up meat that they put on a skewer. Um in Greece, it tends to be thinly sliced pieces of meat that then are put on that skewer. So there's actually, a, you know, it's real meat as opposed to, like, ground up who knows what. <laughs>
1: okay, so you said a couple of times that you're in Houston um, for
3: and uh, what is it? Franchise Expo USA. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, the great, sure, the Great American Franchise Expo fran if you go to www.franexpousa.com so this was born from uh, a realization that a bunch of us had which is we're talking about all these businesses with hundreds of people every week helping them visualize what they're trying to achieve let's use virtual reality to give them a tour of a business And so we sent teams of photographers out around the country. I think we've got uh, Molly made as well, Greg. Um, And we Mm. took VR pictures of all kinds of different franchise companies, franchisees, franchisors, headquarters, a day in the light, a tour through the business. And if you experience virtual reality, you put these goggles on and all of a sudden you are immersed in the picture. And you can look up and down and around, really check it out. And so we have now the largest library of virtual reality pictures of franchisors in the world. And when we're working with a client, we send them a VR headset free of charge. And when we're going to talk about a business, they put the VR headset on, and now we're going to show them what is a day in the life of a Molly made franchisee look like or if you own a Meineke or a Supercuts or a gym or whatever it is you're interested in looking at, we can show you what that looks like.
2: It's really cool. Wow. And,
3: and that, I'll make you another that's... offer. You ready? If yeah. any of your listeners would like a free VR headset, reach out to me. Okay? Reach out yeah. to me, and I will send you a free virtual reality headset, and uh, we'll give you a, a tours of businesses. In your office, you can check it out, and you don't just have to watch, uh, you know, franchise stuff on these. You can you can use them for all kinds of cool things.
2: That's so a that's that, a really that good cool? that's a good niche. I mean that that's got to sell franchises like crazy.
3: Well, you know, I, I tell you, it, it sure is a lot easier to understand a business if you're visualizing it, right, and and seeing mm-hmm. what does it mm-hmm. look like. And so this was really successful, and so then we thought, you know, let's create a trade show where, like a traditional trade show, you've got, you know, booths, you've got, you know, the CEO or the vice president of the company there exhibiting, and what if we set all of them up with our virtual reality platform so that I'm going to a franchise trade show, I want to see what is this all about? And I'm meeting the, you know, maybe I meet Dina Dwyer from the Dwyer Group. And she says, here, put this VR headset on. Let me give you a tour of what my businesses look like. And show them, a, you know, a, a Mr. Rooter and a Mr. Electric and all the cool brands that they have. And then you go to the next booth and you meet, you know, maybe the VP from Great Clips. And she says, here, put this on. I'll give you a tour of my business and then we can talk about it. That's what the Great American Franchise Expo is. And we're doing eight shows this year. Uh, We did Boston, Atlanta, Miami. Uh, We're in Houston this weekend. And then in September, we start back up. We'll be in San Francisco, Phoenix, Denver, and Raleigh. And if any of your viewers would like, uh, send me an email, and I'll get you some free tickets to the show. And let me tell you what's really, really cool about this show. We donate 100% of all ticket sales to children's cancer hospitals in the markets that we go to. So in Houston, uh, the MD Anderson Cancer Center is our uh, our beneficiary. In Miami, it was the uh, Jack Nicklaus uh, Children's Cancer Center. In Atlanta, it was the Children's Hospital of Atlanta. Um, So we've got the ability to... Really do some good. You know, we were talking before the show about business has the ability to give back to a community. And I think franchising, more than any business model out there, because it's local people in local markets serving local neighbors, that if you own a franchise, do something good with the platform that you have. Give back to the community. You know, because really it's the community that is supporting you. And so I feel very strongly about this that you know, we're the only American owned franchise trade show in the US. And I feel very strongly oh, wow. about if, if we're going to be supporting franchising, which we do unequivocally, then we need to support the markets that we're going to and give back to them. And let me tell you, it's been it's been what a great trip it's been.
2: Uh, the last couple of months around the country. So I, want I can imagine on. that's got, that's got to be really cool. Especially if you're doing something that you really enjoy, helping people. You know, that's well, I envy your job.
3: <laughs> <laughs> We're always looking for a few more good men and women.
0: <laughs>
3: you can't
1: have my co-host unless you're going to take his job. You can't have my co-host you going to take his job, that's fine. You can swap, but you're not leaving me without a call. Um, <laughs> but, but,
2: but, you know, that, that's why I do this show, too, because, uh, I mean, Fred doesn't pay me anything, that's for sure. <laughs> but sure. I, I really enjoy doing it because I, I love talking to people, and one of the things I love talking about is franchising. So... I want to hit
1: something I think I heard you said. You said you're the only... 100% US owned franchise expo? Did I hear that right?
3: Correct. Yep. There's some other ones out there, they're owned uh yeah, they're owned by foreign uh foreign corporations.
1: Really? <laughs> really? Wow, wow. Damn, something else I learned. No wonder we do the show. I learn things.
3: <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> You start peeling the layers of the uh, the uh, you know the artichoke or the onion back and see what's underneath there. You know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. <laughs> so, so what? yeah, definitely. If any of your listeners are in Houston or in Texas and they would like to come, uh, it's going to be at the George Brown Center downtown. We've got a ton of great concepts uh, that are going to be here. We've got uh, dozens of experts on banking legal strategy you know um, i've got to give a big shout out to our national sponsor bank of america they're the national sponsor of the show and they are such amazing people uh at bank of america you know they they really invest into franchisees uh for their success and they're just an amazing group of people really uh true great americans you know they really are and uh we can't thank them enough. But anybody that's listening to this, if you're in Houston, come on down to the George Brown Center. We'll give you a free ticket. If you want to buy a ticket, just know that 100% of that's going to the MD Anderson Cancer Center. Um, but, hey, if, uh, if you don't, that's okay, too. We'd love to meet you. All
1: right. So I heard finance. I heard legal. I heard strategy. What other else are your speakers speaking on?
3: Well, we've got uh, an Indian entrepreneurship panel. Um, Did you know Indian Americans are the, uh, per capita, the largest group of business owners in the United States? No, I did not
1: know that interesting thing, that fact.
3: Yeah, Southeast Asia, yeah, India. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And, you know, huge, huge population in Houston uh, very very successful also the uh, per capita highest educated highest median incomes uh, as well and uh, starting (laughs) businesses at a rate much greater than the general population so we've got a panel uh, of entrepreneurs from the community who are going to be talking Uh, we've got a female panel as well that's going to be talking Um, we have uh, a veterans panel we're very fortunate you know, we've created um, groups within our company with 100 people. We have a lot of really talented, amazing people. And so we've created outreach groups. Um, one of them is the Veterans Franchise Council. We work with veterans all around the country. And we've got in Houston uh, a fellow named Andy Snellgrove. He was a captain uh, in the Army, flew Apaches in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, we've got another great, uh, great American, Dave Cooley, Lieutenant Colonel, for the U.S. Air Force, who's on our team as well. They oversee the veterans outreach that we have.
0: Then mm-hmm. we
3: created another outreach group called First Responder Fram. And if you just go online and Google this, you'll find all the websites and get a ton of info. But police, firefighters, and EMTs, you know, we thought – There's really no outreach for these these domestic heroes who, when they retire and they want to do something, let's help them. So we've got uh, a retired detective who's on our team. Uh, Jay Banker helps with that outreach. Then we have the India Franchise Council that's led by Kapil Manocha uh, that does outreach Mm. in the Indian-American community. Uh, Then we have the Latino Franchise Council, which, uh, my gosh, what a diverse, amazing demographic that is a huge amount of business creation happening there. And we've got yeah. Leonor Clavijo, Zeke Rodriguez, Avelio Medina, uh, and Miguel Villa Villarreal, he says. He always connects and corrects me. I say Villarreal. He goes, Villarreal, like, Villarreal. <laughs> and so you know franchising, here's the amazing thing. Franchising is about independence. And everybody, I don't care where you come from I don't care what your background is. Everybody wants to be independent. And I think Hmm. the best way to achieve independence, whether it's in the United States or in Australia or you name it, is through business ownership. And I think franchising is the best way to get there because it gives you a process. It gives you systems. It gives you support if you've never owned a business before, take a look at franchising. Learn about it. You know, you'll be in business with a group of people who care about your success, and that's powerful. Yeah. In being part of the team—that that is very,
2: very powerful. And I, I have absolutely concurred. To we have a couple of minutes left, Nick. I, I know some of our listeners might be wondering what are—if you could just touch on the other four slippery stones you talked about, because my curiosity yeah. is um <laughs> <Just touch laughs> well, hopefully,
3: hopefully uh, they'll they'll all reach out and I'll I'll send them a book for free. Um, and I'm happy to talk hmm. with them, yeah, or connect them with one of our local offices. We've got offices all around the country. Happy to help them free of charge. The first step, the first stone, is you. Take a piece of paper, write down your goals. Write down what you're trying to achieve. Okay think about your future and write it down it's your future you don't need to think i'm going to buy a subway or i'm going to buy a hilton hotel or whatever think about where you're trying to get to that's stone number one stone number two hold that list up to the whole universe of franchise companies out there find ones that fit your criteria because the people that own them are hitting the outcomes that you wrote down, this business must do this for me. And then go and investigate them. Go check them out. Go mystery shop them. Go learn about the industry. Go check out their competitors. Do your homework on stone number two. Because eventually you'll get it down to one or two ideas that really fit your criteria. Then but you know what, them.
2: Nick? I, I think everybody's yeah. going to have to just call you for your book to find out what the other three are because we're running out of time right now.
3: <laughs> wow, you guys are awesome marketers. I love it. I won't say a word.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I figured you'd
1: appreciate. Well, that. <laughs> okay. I don't. I I would say one of you is. Then the other is an awesome <laughs> franchise owner. But I would say just one of us is an awesome. <laughs> <laughs> However, I won't say which one. <laughs> so, we're
3: well, I, I, I sure happen. do appreciate, I sure do appreciate the time that you all have uh, have given me. And uh, you know, if anybody's in Houston, come on down to the George Brown Center. We've got some great things going on, and I really appreciate your time uh, here today. Well, it was we're fun,
0: exact- really.
1: Yeah, we're gonna have you back on. There's some stuff we, we we haven't gotten to in in your deep dark bio, Ooh. but <laughs> get to that the next time we have this back. So <laughs> thanks everyone. You didn't this talk to is... my eighth
3: grade teacher. <laughs>
1: no, your seventh grade teacher. <laughs> oh,
3: <excuse
0: me. laughs> thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Thank Nick. You, We're Ray. gonna said you. uh,
1: you're gonna have to come back and tell us more on franchising. Next week, same pillar of franchising time, same pillar of franchising station. We'll see you soon.